Hello, this is Erwin Raphael McManus. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Several years ago, Kim and I were visiting some friends and hanging in their backyard, and we're all sitting in lounge chairs at the pool. And while we were talking and just having a great time, all of a sudden, a little boy fell into the pool. I don't know how he got so close to the middle of the pool, and he started going under. And when I saw him, I instantly told myself to get up, run across that patio, jump in the pool, and save the boy's life. But what happened was not that. Before I even inhaled and took a step, his mom was out of her lounge chair, had run across the backyard, dove into the pool, and had saved him before I even moved a muscle. It was as if she was moving at hyperspeed and I was moving in slow motion. When that happened, I, I have to admit, I, I, was, I was kind of confused. I, I, I thought I would be the first one to react, the first one to jump in, and I had every intention to do exactly what she did, but she did it so much faster than I did that it made me start thinking about all the decisions that we process before we actually make a choice. When you think about life, life is a series of choices and our lives are defined by uh, four or five critical choices in our lives, but we make thousands upon thousands upon thousands of choices throughout our lives and, and if not even throughout our day. But if you're like me, the, the choices I, I get to make through deliberation, through thoughtfulness, the choices that I, I have time to process, the choices that, well, you know, I have time to think about, those choices I, I'm usually feeling pretty good about. I, I can live with those choices. It's, it's those other choices, the ones that, that came at me so fast that didn't give me time to, to think about it, to reflect, to, um, to assess. It's, it, it's those choices that, that feel like they happen to you, not that you're making them happen. And, and I started thinking about how the choices we're aware of are conscious choices, but that we make an endless number of unconscious choices every single day. And in fact, the reality is that when we act, that's a response to a choice, a conscious choice. But when we react, that's a response to an unconscious choice. And that our unconscious choices are informed by a different source material than our conscious choices. Because when we're making a conscious choice, we can evaluate data, information, we can get input and counsel, we can get advice, we, we can research, we can, we, can, we can pull in from the entire outside world to make the best choice we can. But when we're making an unconscious choice, we're not assessing information from the outside world. All the information we're gathering comes from our inner world. An unconscious choice is a direct reflection of our internal world. An unconscious choice is the result of the information that comes from our character. And I started thinking about how oftentimes that becomes the critical access point for my own spiritual journey. Whether I'm reacting or acting, I'm supposed to be informed by the same source material. When I'm acting, I can look as if I'm incredibly wise, but when I'm reacting, people get a look at whether I have wisdom or not. So many of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus do pretty well when we're 
making a conscious choice when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to uh, the scriptures, when it comes to God's intention and purpose in our lives, when it comes to living out God's will and design for us. If it's a conscious choice, we pretty much line up. But the problem is that so much of life is about unconscious choices. So many moments in life are, are affected by our reaction and maybe even our lack of impulse control. And, and so if you're in that state of being in your life where you're wondering to yourself, how did I get myself here? How did I make that choice? Why did I do that? What was I thinking? Well, I have an answer for you. You, you were not thinking consciously. You were thinking unconsciously. And what happens when you react is that it is a reflection of your internal world. And the only way you can change how you will react is by changing the material in your inner world. When you come to faith in Jesus, it is a response to the initiative of God. Jesus invites us into a relationship with him. And we have to make a choice whether we will say yes or whether we'll say no, or a lot of us, what we actually do is we don't say anything at all. We give ourselves more time to process the most important decision of our life. And that's so interesting. In Matthew chapter eight, when Jesus is inviting someone to follow him, the response that he gets, it says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him in verse 18, he gave orders to cross over to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. So here you have someone who actually comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I choose to follow you. I want to follow you. I'm not being coerced. I'm not being forced. This is not something that's being imposed on me. I'm coming to you and I'm telling you, I want to follow you. Then Jesus replies, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to rest his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. I thought this phrase was so interesting that the disciple, and that's how he's described, a disciple of Jesus, is listening to Jesus's invitation. He's listening to Jesus's call, but his response is, Lord, I want to follow you and, and I'm all in and, and I, I want to be your disciple. I choose this, but first, and then he says, but first, let me go bury my father, which in the best way to understand the, the context of that time, his father probably wasn't dead. What he was actually saying is, I want to stay at home until I receive my inheritance from my father. And if I leave now while my father's still alive, I will vacate my right to receive that inheritance. So I just want to stay home till I receive what my father has for me before I step out and receive what my heavenly father has for me. It's sort of like choosing not to leave your company because you want to wait until your stock options come through. You're staying in a particular decision before you move into the decision you need to move toward. And you have this moment of hesitation. He says, but Lord, first let me do this. And start thinking about what is it in us that allows us to choose the right thing first? Like, how do we choose God first? How do, how do we react by choosing what God chooses for us? How do we react, not just act, but how do we react by choosing the first things? How do we live our lives putting first things first? How do we not respond to God by saying, but first, let me do this. But first, let me do this. Now, I have a, a suspicion that there's some of you right now 
that you, you have all the language of, of, of a disciple. You have all the language of following Jesus. You have all the language of faith, but you, you, you keep this one thing between you and the life that God has for you. It's the but first. What you're actually saying to God is, I, I, I want to follow you and I want to live the life you created me to live and, I, I, and, and I, I believe in you and I want to trust you, but there are other things in my life that have a higher priority than you. You're not first, you're, you're, you're second, or maybe third, but you're not first. But here's the way it plays out in life. Whenever God is not first, he's not on the list. Because when you move God from first to anywhere else, Something else fills the space that you vacated from the place that Jesus must be in your life. So how do we move to this place where God is our first choice, our first response, where God is our unconscious impulse? And so that if I'm in a situation where I have no impulse control, if I'm in a situation where I have no time to process, if I'm in a situation where I have no time for a conscious decision, my unconscious response, my unconscious reaction, my instincts move me to choosing what Jesus would choose for my life, putting God first. Well, I want you to see that, that the way this plays out is that God realigns us so that the but first is Jesus and not anything else in life. All the way in the book of Revelation, Jesus has this conversation with a particular church. And, and in chapter two, verses four and five, he, he says this. This is his indictment to the followers of Jesus in Ephesus. He says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Other times it's translated, you have forsaken your first love. He says, consider how far you have fallen Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Of all the things Jesus could focus on, of all the things he could talk to them about, saying, this is what I have against you. This is really what is causing this, this separation between me and you. When we first began this relationship, you put me first. When we first began this relationship, you understood how much I loved you and you gave me your first love. But suddenly, somewhere along the way, you moved me from your first love to a secondary love. And this relationship that God invites us into, it just doesn't work when God is a secondary love. It just doesn't work when Jesus is placed in second place. It only works when God is placed first in your life. If you want your life to have an alignment with God, if you want to naturally, instinctively make the choices that God created you to make, if you want to make the choices that awaken you to the life God created you to live, if you want to make the choices that actually bring God pleasure, fulfill God's purpose in your life, and moves you forward to the future that God created you to live, you have to align your heart first. So this is the only thing I have against you. Everything else is just a symptom of this core reality that you have placed me second. You've lost your first love. You have forsaken the love you had at first. This is a continuous theme throughout the scriptures. I, I started with the end of the Bible and the book of Revelation. Let me go near the beginning in Exodus chapter 20, verses two and three. God says this to the people of Israel. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
You shall have no other gods before me. It's interesting to me that God begins even the conversation about the Ten Commandments, and his starting point is here. You are to have no other God besides me. I am to have that principle, singular place in your life. I am to be your first love, your first focus, your first and only focus of worship. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says this beginning of verse 36. He says uh, in a conversation with another disciple, teacher, he's asked, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. So when Jesus is asked, and he's asked multiple times, what's the most important thing to God? What's the greatest of all the commandments? Jesus kept going back over and over again. This is how all the law and how all the prophets are fulfilled. You are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. He said, this is the greatest. This is the first and singular commandment that God has for us. And out of the outflow of that commandment comes you are to love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus understands that Everything about the human experience, everything that God created us to experience and know, everything God designed us to become can only happen when our hearts are aligned with him. If you want to put God in that first place and make sure that God is always that first choice, he has to become your first love. And by the way, that's how God moves us to the right place at the right time. I mean, when you think about God's will and, and living the life that God created you to live, it, it, it could almost drive you crazy. How are you supposed to know that you're making every choice the way God wants you to make a choice? When people talk about being in God's will, I mean, to me, that it, it just almost feels suffocating to think I have a thousand choices to make and I have to make sure every single choice is aligned with, with, with God's will in my life. And, and am I supposed to listen to God and, and hear from God for every choice? Is God going to speak to me directly? I think sometimes we, we create this, this insane picture of how God speaks to us as if we're just puppets on a string and we need to wait for God to pull the string so we can make the right choice. It doesn't work like that at all. God is actually looking for alignment when your heart is aligned with him, when he is your first love, what happens is then God takes the first place. In Matthew 3, verses, uh, just verse 33, Jesus says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I, I think this is such a, a powerful realization. Jesus is not saying that there are not things in this life that, that we need or, 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 or should pursue or should want in life. What he's telling us is that there has to be a proper alignment in our pursuit. He said, there, there are so many things in life. I mean, we, we need food, we need water, we need work, we need shelter, we, 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 we need love, we need relationships, we, we, we need so much in life. And then there's things that we want that are actually good in life, to enjoy the beauty and pleasure and wonder of life. And Jesus is not speaking against enjoying life. He's just telling us we need to align our lives properly to him. He needs to be our first love, but he also needs us to seek his kingdom and always keep his kingdom in the first place. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And what Jesus unwraps for us is that this, this beautiful realization that God's kingdom is not some place in some other dimension or some place in the afterlife or some place in eternity, that, that the kingdom of God is here with us and that the kingdom of God is here in us. 
and that what Jesus came to do is to usher in his kingdom into human history. And that, by the way, is the power and wonder and beauty of the church, that wherever Jesus goes, his kingdom is established. But he wants us to place his kingdom first, what God is doing in human history. And that's why he even commends us to pray, like, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You can know that God's kingdom has come when his will is being done. You can only do his will when his kingdom becomes your first place. This becomes the priority of your life. So I know when I get up in the morning, my first alignment is to align my heart that God is my first love. To, to make sure that all the other things that pull me and all the other desires that, 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 that have this magnetism in my, in my soul, that, that I take the time to make sure that Jesus is my first love. That I take time to worship and connect and live in intimacy and relationship with him. You cannot live the life God created you to live without intimacy with the God who created you to live it. And then as you move toward that first love, God's kingdom becomes your first place. What becomes most important in your life uh, above success or fame or power or wealth or, or, or safety or security or pleasure or whatever it may be. Everything else that might come out of this life of pursuing Jesus never takes precedent over God's intention and God's will for your life. This is a crazy idea if you think about it. You are a conduit of God's kingdom. And when you choose to live your life in alignment with God, you actually expand the kingdom of love. In fact, I love the phrase in the scripture. It talks about uh, the, the kingdom of the son of his love. That everywhere where Jesus rules, love reigns. But not only do we need to align our hearts and our intention to seek his kingdom, but we also need a redirection of the way that we see ourselves, not as a source or, or recipient of God's goodness, but, a, but as a source that becomes a, a conduit of God's goodness. I think sometimes this is where we get confused when we think about like, prosperity or generosity or blessing and all that language that's become so common. And we, we, we act as if God's singular intention is to give us more and give us more and give us more. And what we need to realize is that God's intention is to make us more and make us more and make us more, more generous, more compassionate, more forgiving, more loving. There's no way in the world God would ever want to give us more if he wasn't making us more. The only reason God can give us more is when we're becoming more, because then we're more trustworthy with what God gives us. All the way back in Exodus chapter 22, God taught a principle to his people. And, and we've described this principle so oftentimes as tithing. But I want you to see that there's this, this mindset shift. It's, it's not just about having this first love and this first place. It's not just about loving God first and placing his kingdom first. It is actually about how we relate to the first fruit in our life. In Exodus 22, verse 29, it says this, do not hold back your offering from the first of your harvest 
and the first wine that you make. Also, you must give me your firstborn son. You must do the same with your bulls and your sheep. Now, some people have misunderstood the thing that God was actually asking them to sacrifice their firstborn sons. That is not what the Bible is teaching. But what it is saying is that you need to recognize that everything you receive is a gift from God and that you're to place everything you have at the feet of God and say, God, this is for you. And there's something powerful in this mindset of giving God your first fruit. In Nehemiah chapter 12, verses, verse 44, it says this. It says, at that time, the leaders appointed men to be in charge of the storerooms. These rooms were the gifts and the first fruit and the tenth of what the people gained. The teaching said they should bring a share for the priests and the Levites. They were to come from the fields around the towns, and the people of Judah were very happy to do this for the priests and Levites who served. And so what God did is he aligned his people in a certain way. So they would have, in a sense, a directed impulse so that their first choice was always God. And the way that God made sure that became a part of the culture and a part of their character is that he created a process. He said, whatever you do, whether you're making wine or whether you're growing uh, corn or wheat or whether you're, 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 you're raising sheep or whatever you're doing, I want everything you do to be aligned with me. And I want your hearts to always be aligned with my heart. And so I want you to give the first of everything you receive. That, that first tenth, that tithe, it's a way of aligning your heart with God's intention. And to me, this is so important because when, when you begin to understand this principle, the way that, that Kim and I have over the years, where the first fruit of everything we receive goes to God. And when you give it to God, it doesn't now abdicate responsibility for the other 90%. It's not like, okay, God, I'm giving you my 10%, and now I can do whatever I want with the other 90%. That's exactly the opposite of what the scriptures are trying to do. What happens is that when you give that first fruit, when you give that first tenth, when you give that first tithe, it actually realigns your intention. It realigns your life. It realigns your heart. It realigns you to God's kingdom and now you have the capacity to use the other 90% in a way that honors God. It realigns not only you, but all of your wealth and all of your resources. And this is a pattern that God was establishing among his people. That God wants us to make him always our first love. He wants us to place his kingdom always as our first place. He wants us to take everything we have and always give him our first fruit. Because out of that, what happens is that we are now so aligned with God that we find ourselves being the first up. I still go back to that moment when I watched this mom get up, run across the backyard, jump in the pool, and she was in and out of that pool with her child faster than I was out of my chair. And I, I, I kept trying, wanting to explain, I, I, I was going to do that. <laughs> I, 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 I was going to get up and, and save your son. But you moved so fast that I was making all of these internal decisions that actually prohibited me from making the critical external choice. But that mom... She had already made all those choices. See, she had already made all those decisions. She didn't need any time to process getting up, 
running across the backyard, jumping in the pool with her clothes on and saving her child because she had already aligned her love. She had already aligned her intention. She had already aligned her life. So she knew exactly what to do. And I wonder how many times we miss God's opportunity for us because we take so much time to make decisions that should have already been made. The most important decisions of your life, you need to make them before you're in that moment. You need to make the choice that changes your internal world, that shapes your character, so that your character can inform your unconscious choices, so that whenever God speaks, you're responding without hesitation. We began this particular journey by looking at someone who said to Jesus, but first. I wonder how many times we've been frustrated with God because God didn't pick us, or God used someone else, or God helped someone else, or God did something amazing in someone else's life. Have you ever looked at someone else's life and thought to yourself, why doesn't God do that in my life? Is it possible that God is making the same invitation for you that he does for them? But when God invites you, you go, well, yes, but first. And that person just says, yes. In 1 Chronicles 11, verse 6, this is the time where David is choosing leaders to lead his army. And he says this very interesting thing that has always stood out to me. He says, David said, whoever leads the attack on the Jebusites will become commander. Whoever leads the attack of the Jebusites will become commander-in-chief. Joab, son of Zariah, went up first, and so he received the command. How do, you, how do you choose your leaders? How do you choose the people you trust with more? How do you choose the people you give influence? How do you choose the people that you entrust with power and authority? How, how, how does God choose who he works through? I, I think David gives us an insight Instead of looking around and going, well, you know, you're the tallest or you're the strongest or you're, you're the smartest or you have the highest IQ or you have the most experience or you have the right uh, bloodline or your dad was a, a, a commander too. David is just, he's just savage. I mean, he's ruthless. He has no interest in any kind of union. He doesn't care about any kind of seniority. He doesn't care about any kind of privilege. He says, whoever steps up first, that's who's in charge. It says, whoever leads the attack will become the commander in chief. I love this kind of meritocracy where David says, look, everyone has an opportunity to lead. Everyone has an opportunity to change the world. Everyone has an opportunity to change their station in life. Everyone has the opportunity to become the commander in chief. Everyone has the opportunity, but not everyone will take that opportunity. So I'm gonna leave it in your hands. Whoever is the first to lead the attack, whoever goes first. And so Joab, son of Zariah, went up first. I love that. This is his only qualification. Maybe you're listening right now and you're wondering, God, what do I have to do to get you to pick me? What do I have to do to get you to choose me? God, what do I have to do for you to, to see how much I want to make a difference in the world? Maybe it's that God keeps waiting for you to step up first. Instead of responding to him every time he speaks, every time he calls you, every time he invites you into a, a new future, a new life, you say, well, 
I, I love that God, but, but first. No, but, but first, I got to make sure, you know, I, 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 I take care of my, 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 my finances. I got to make sure I take care of my family. I got to make sure I take care of my, my stuff. I got to make sure I, 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 I have security or safety. And I remember one time Kim said to me after she listened to this guy, who was explaining to me why he was living such a safe and secure life, as gifted and intelligent and talented and educated as he was. He said, well, you know, I, I, I would live that life, but I have a wife and I have kids and, and I have a responsibility. I, I can't take them into greater danger. I can't take them into greater risk. I can't ask them to sacrifice so much. And afterwards, Kim looked at me and she said, don't you ever use me or our children as an excuse to be a coward to live a life of less. And that pretty much established our relationship. Because I think so oftentimes, we think that God hasn't chosen us. I think so oftentimes God chooses us and we just, we start with the but first. And so God just looks around and says, does anyone only have a first? Does anyone have a yes? So Joab went up first, and so he received the command. I'm convinced of this in my life. I'm convinced that so many of the opportunities God has given me are not because God chose me first, but because I just volunteered fast. I just stepped up first. I know that people of greater talent and greater experience and greater intelligence and greater ability should have had opportunities that I had. But they just didn't want to step up in that moment. They were weighing the cost and and considering their options. And I think you have to come to a place in your life where you just decide, I would rather lose everything than to lose the opportunity to be invited into a future that only God can create. You need to put first things first. You need to make Jesus your first choice. You need to create an internal world where when you don't have time to process a decision, the decision hasn't been made. I'm gonna do whatever God has called me to do. I'm gonna do what God has created me to do. I'm gonna follow and pursue this intention because this is what God has made me to do. And I'm telling you, If you'll make the internal decision to allow your character to be shaped by God's heart, your character will inform your unconscious decisions and your unconscious decisions will create a future beyond your wildest imagination. Because your conscious decisions, they can be made from all the material in the external world your unconscious decisions, they will always betray your heart. If God is your first love, your unconscious decisions will move you toward God's intention, toward God's kingdom, toward God's purpose. When God is your first love, you realign your life where you're giving God your first fruit. You're giving God the first of your life as a declaration that all that you have belongs to him. When God is your first love, your first stop, your first stop, your first stop.
I know there's only one reason why that mom was able to get into that pool faster than I could get out of the chair. She loved her son more than I did. She was fueled by love. So all the decisions had already been made. Maybe you're listening in this moment right now and you know more than anything in the world what you need is you need Jesus. And maybe this is not the first time that you've had this overwhelming sense that you need to trust Jesus with your life, but you've never crossed the line of faith because every time you get to this place, you go, but first, let me do this. But, but first, I need to process these decisions. But first, I need to process these doubts. And, and you just keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And you're going to die saying, but first. So I'm going to challenge you right now to get rid of the but and just step into the first. Be the first up right now. Right now, in this moment, just block everything else out. And maybe in this moment, just get on your knees right where you're at and say this to Jesus, Jesus, I give you my life. Right now, just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. No hesitation, no loopholes, no apprehension, no excuses. Jesus, I'm giving you my life. I want you to be my first love. I want you to always hold that first place. I want to live my life always putting you first. I want you to be my first choice. I want to put first things first. Jesus, I give you my life right now. And if you're making that decision in this moment, I want you to go to mosaic.org slash follow Jesus. I want you right now to let us know that you're choosing to put Jesus first, to make him your first love, to trust him with your life. At this moment, you've crossed the line of faith, that you've declared this declaration to Jesus. Jesus, I give you my life. Let the journey begin right now. And by the way, the journey of faith begins by placing Jesus first. He invites us to receive his forgiveness, his love, his freedom, his life. And when we say yes, that's when it begins. But it doesn't end there. The entire journey of faith is about getting rid of the excuses of but first and constantly placing Jesus in that first place. And if you will choose to put first things first, you will find not only that your life will realign to God's intention, but you'll feel as if God is constantly choosing you. It's not that God has chosen you above someone else. It's just that you keep stepping up first. And God says, whoever steps up first is gonna get this opportunity. Whoever steps up first I'm going to choose to use to change the world. I'm not going to wait for God to draft me. I'm volunteering. I want to be first up. I pray that that would be your choice today. Let's be first up. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic. Your sacrifice makes this podcast possible and creates life change all over the world. 
You can be a part of spreading this message around the world by going to mosaic.org slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.